This is the Encounter Community Church podcast, where we will take one or two nuggets from Sunday's message and look at how we can take, utilize, and apply it to our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church podcast. My name is Ken Bob Jr. I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And you know, at Encounter, one of the things that we have been wrestling with is this simple question. When Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself, what if he meant your literal neighbor? In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second greatest command is this, is to love your neighbor as yourself. I can remember a a moment that I had when I was probably like five or six years old. I was still... Um, living in Kentucky, so I might even have been younger. And for Christmas, I got this bright red fire engine truck. But it was one of those that you can actually sit inside and you pedaled with the wheels inside. <laughs> it was For me, it was just awesome. It was awesome. So one day, I decided I'm outside, I'm riding my fire truck, I'm doing my thing, and for some reason, I decide to ride the fire truck off the curb, and I'm riding the fire truck down the street. <laughs> and all of a sudden, a neighbor grabs me, grabs the truck, pulls me back onto the sidewalk, and then sends me home. <laughs> See, that really is indicative, I guess, of the way that it was back then. Like, I wish I could remember the name of the neighbor, but the neighbor definitely knew me, knew, knew my name, took me home, talked to my mom. And see, back in the day when you were, like, in trouble, like, you wanted to make sure that you didn't get in trouble in your neighborhood. Because <laughs> I know there were times when I acted up, and then when I got home, my mom knew about it before I even got to my house. But that's just the way it was back then as far as connections and relationships and just people taking the time to really get to know one another. So why is it different today? And and if so, is there something that we could do to fix it? Is there something that we could do to fix it? I want to talk about today just one of our greatest challenges. And when I read these statistics, you'll kind of get an idea of what our greatest challenge is. There's an organization called One Poll. And what they did was they did a survey for H&R Block about taxes and people filling out their taxes. But the question that they were asking is about how busy people are. And and here's what they found. They found 59% of Americans find it extremely difficult to balance work and their personal schedules. When it comes to balancing, the respondents of the survey disclosed that they are currently putting off 14 things on their to-do lists. Roughly one in four bemoaned being too preoccupied with work to make regular doctor appointments. So I also did some research and I found the top 10 tasks that people are putting off because they're too busy. Number 10, paying bills. (laughs) Number nine, going to the bank. Number eight, car maintenance, which I kind of wish that wasn't on there because I fall into that. My, my, my car has had, a, my, my car gives you, I guess, messages about itself. And the latest message that is on my dashboard says, change, time to change, time to do an oil change. And my kids, when they first will get in the car, they say, hey, dad, 
your car's telling you to do an oil change. Well, 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 let me just say it this way. It's kind of been on there so long that my kids stopped saying it. <laughs> so I, I get that element, and yes, I'm going to go do the oil change. Number seven, cook. Number six, make appointments to go to the doctor, etc. When is the last time you made an appointment to get a physical? Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's been a long time for me, too. Going to the gym, shopping, grocery shopping. Number three, laundry. Number two, household maintenance and repairs. And number one, general, please. The number one reason people are avoiding their tasks or number one task that people are avoiding is cleaning. That's right. Cleaning. And you know when we're usually motivated to clean, right? Is when someone calls us and say, hey, can I come over? And we're like, yeah, uh, give me about 20 minutes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, we are cleaning the house real fast. And usually what cleaning the house at that point means is we're stuffing things in closets. <laughs> Am I right? To try to hurry up and get ready for people coming over to our homes. See, here's the point. I think one of the reasons that we don't engage or connect with our neighbors the way that we used to is just because of the demands of life. I mean, we're just so busy. We're just so busy. And, and, I, and I get it. I, I get the, the challenge. I mean, my wife, we have four kids and a dog, <laughs> you know. And so with that in mind, you know, we got four kids. You have to drive them to school. Uh, you have to go to work. And then when you come home from work, there is the driving the kids to different uh, things. There's sports teams or practices. There's all of those elements that's going going on. And then there's also Saturday events that we're trying to get together, you know, with people and go do. And I mean, and then, of course, there's church on Sunday. I mean, just the list goes on and on about just how busy we are. I mean, I, I totally get it. But the problem with that is that sometimes our busyness leads us to be disconnected. There was another survey that was done by the Christian Post. The Christian Post, And here's what they did, is they interviewed more than 20,000 Christians in 139 questions, mostly in America, though, between the ages of 15 and 88. And here's what they found. Six, in, six out of 10 Christians say that they are often or always too busy to develop their relationship with God. And, and so that's a great question to ask. Has your busy schedule gotten in the way of you getting to know Jesus? And here's the truth. I think if we're, we're too busy to know Jesus, we're probably too busy to get to know our neighbors. We're probably too busy to get to know those that are around us and connect and build meaningful relationships with them. Obviously, this was important to Jesus. Matter of fact, why was this so important to Jesus? Because one of the ways that you can measure the priority of something to someone is by what are the last words that they say when they are here on this earth? And in three of the four Gospels, Jesus basically says, engage others, connect with them in such a way that you share the good news of who I am with them. So hopefully their lives will change and that they will come to know me. Now I'm summarizing that from all three passages, or all three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, but really, it, it boils down to Jesus telling us to engage everyone that is around us, to engage our society around us, to really be intentional about that. 
And one of the things I found is that, you know, the, the busier I am, the less intentional I am about living the life, living life the way that Jesus has challenged or has called me to make a commitment and to live. And again, I don't, I don't think I'm alone in this. I really don't think I'm alone in this. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In the book, The Art of Neighboring, it says, it is vital to take a step back and ask ourselves if we live at a pace that allows us to be available to those that are around us. Do we live at that pace? So maybe it might be good for us to step back and start to analyze our schedule, to start to analyze what really is important, what, what really matters. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Building relationships that allows us to be able to connect with others, whether we lead them to Jesus or not, the goal is just to build relationships. And I want to make that really clear. If you decide that, you know what, I'm going to step out, I'm going to embark upon this journey of being a really good neighbor in my neighborhood. If you are a Christian, let me make this really clear. This is not your evangelism strategy. It is not your evangelism strategy to go out and lead your whole neighborhood to Jesus. That's not the goal. If you do, then what happens is people will begin to read, the, read through that and then your real motives will shine through and they'll start connecting with you. But if your goal is just to show love, is just to be able to be there, to be a good neighbor, to connect and be a good friend and learn how to do that, then what happens is it opens the door. And who knows, maybe through that, it may open up the door for spiritual conversations to happen. And who knows, maybe out of some of those spiritual conversations, someone might go to church with you and someone may become a Christian as a result of it. But again, that's not the goal. That's not the goal. The goal is simply to love others. I mean, when you think about Jesus and when he engaged others, there would be, there would be times where he would engage people and they would follow him. There would also be times where he would engage people in the same way and they would choose not to follow him. But that didn't stop him from making a commitment to connect. That was his goal. That's what he did. So I, I want to make sure that if we decide to embark upon this journey to say, yes, I'm going to begin to be a good neighbor in my neighborhood, that again, we're not looking at it as how can I lead my whole neighborhood to Jesus? No, it's, 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 it's greater than that. It's greater than that. And I know you might sound, you might be listening and saying, wait, wait, Ken, you're saying greater than that? Um, yeah, because what Jesus, Christ, what Jesus Christ has called us to do is yes, he does say go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, I, I get all that. But the way to get to that point is what we have to realize, is how do we get to that point? And the example that I think of is when Jesus started. When Jesus said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, when he was talking to the disciples in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, you know, what he just, you know what he did? He just invited them into a relationship with him. He just invited, he didn't say, come, be like me, believe like me, act like me, believe in me. He didn't even say that. He just said, come follow me. Just be a part of this. And then just, and just, and then just see what will happen. And it's once the disciples enter, entered into that relationship with him that things really begin to formulate, that things really begin to change, that they really begin to understand what it really means to follow him. And we see Jesus' success rate, right? Um, 11 out of the 12 followed. But even still, there was one guy that didn't get it named Judas who betrayed Jesus. 
So even then, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> so if Jesus didn't get it perfectly, guess what? We're not going to get it perfectly. But what Jesus calls us to do is just to make the commitment. You know, I, I just want you to be available. I just want you to make a commitment to engage. And let me tell you, the only way that that can really happen is we have to be intentional about it. We have to be intentional. And who knows? Maybe some of that intentionality might mean, and I, and I'm, I, I know some pastors might hear this, and you might cringe. <laughs> I think when I first thought about it and starting the church, I used to cringe too. But now I realize what really matters. So I would even say this, that your engaging your neighborhood might even mean spending less time at church. I'm spending less time at church so that I can spend more time in my neighborhood. And, and let me tell you, here at Encounter, we give our people the freedom to do that. If someone decides, hey, I want to get involved, and they have a choice where I, I really have a heart for youth, but I don't have time to do both the youth ministry and help out in the community, maybe be involved at tutor at a local high school, maybe be a coach at a local high school or, or middle school, then what we would say is we'll make it easy. Serve in the community. Serve in the community. Because that's where God has called us to be. So we can just go through that list. So if someone were to say to me, hey, Ken, I'm going to spend less time at church so that I can connect with my neighbors. Hey, I am celebrating that. I am celebrating that. Because again, that's what it really is all about. That's what God has called us to do. Yes, he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yes, he will build his church. But here's the important thing to realize too, that the church is not the building, right? Church is us and wherever we go, that's where the church is. But again, if there's a choice between that, if, if, if that's one of the things you have to cut out of your schedule is your busyness at church, then maybe that's what you might have to do so that you can actually do what Jesus has called you to do. There's a story in Luke chapter 10, verses 40, 38 through 42, where Jesus goes to visit two women named Mary and Martha and their family. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to him or listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Now, what's really interesting is if you go back and if you look at this passage, that word distracted, where it says Martha was distracted, the Greek word there literally means to draw away from. So there was something that Martha was so busy preparing and doing and getting done that it drew her away from something that really mattered. So was Martha doing anything evil? No, she was not. Matter of fact, I, I know you. If you found out that Jesus Christ was coming to visit your home, hey, you'd be Martha too. <laughs> you'd be cooking, you'd be cleaning, you would clean every nook and, nook and cranny. Uh, you'd clean your closets. <laughs> you would clean every element of your house if you knew Jesus was coming to your home. So I get where Martha was coming from. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But Jesus says this, and I think this is really interesting. He says, 
Martha, Martha. And I imagine when Jesus said, called her name and he talked to her, I don't think it was like, Martha, Martha. <laughs> you know, I don't think it was like that. I think it was from a voice of compassion, like, oh, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. You know, there's that just a voice of compassion that's there that he's getting to her heart. And you know what I love? He says, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. You know what I love what Jesus does there is Jesus doesn't say, hey, Martha, don't be worried. Don't be upset. Because isn't that what we're guilty of doing sometimes? When someone else is worried or upset, we tell, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be worried. Don't be upset. Just get over it. Just get over it. Know what Jesus does, and I love this, and maybe this is a great lesson for us, that when someone is struggling and they're going through something, maybe what we need to do is rather than say don't, is to acknowledge what they feel. And that's what Jesus does. He says, Martha, you are so worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary's chosen a better thing. Mary's chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and connect with him. So it's interesting to look at this passage because we see that Martha is so busy prepping for Jesus that she is literally missing Jesus. And what Mary does is Mary carves out this moment to just sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is a quick side note, but I think that this is really important to hear. Has anyone ever told you, you know, the Bible is sexist? Has anyone ever told you that? That the Bible is against women or the Bible is anti-women? Uh, let me tell you, anyone who has said that has not really read the Bible. Now, I, I know that there are men who have misused the Bible to subjugate, to beat and control women. And, and if you are a victim of that as a woman, on behalf of the church, capital C, let me apologize to you. Because that definitely is not the way that God intended it. So this moment that Jesus has with Mary and Martha is also very countercultural. Because back in biblical times, the culture was, if a teacher came to your house, then the men would be the disciples of the teacher. So the men would sit around the teacher to listen to the teacher while the women would be in the kitchen cooking and getting things. So literally, Martha's doing what culture dictated. She's doing what culture dictated. She's doing what she as a woman was supposed to do. So now imagine, and have you ever done that? Have you ever been in that place where you're trying to get something done and there's someone who's supposed to help you and you look over and they're not helping you at all? That little, you need to, I can't believe they're not helping me. You know what? All those thoughts that go through your mind at that moment, I'm sure those are all going through Martha's mind. Like, why don't she get over here? And so finally, she goes to Jesus and say, dude, hey, Jesus. well, she didn't say dude, no, but, but Jesus, <laughs> can you tell her, tell her, tell her to help me. In other words, tell her to get in the kitchen and do what we as women are supposed to do. But Jesus says, no, 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 Martha. Mary's chosen a better thing. By saying Mary has chosen a better thing by sitting at his feet, he was saying that it's okay for Mary to be where the men are. I want her here too. This was countercultural. And this was Jesus also endorsing Mary and Mary's choice 
as a woman. So, boom. <laughs> if anyone ever tells you the Bible doesn't honor women, show them this passage. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, and then give them that explanation because it is true. Jesus honored women, and that's the way that he showed it. But going back to what we were looking at, what, Mar what Mary did is Mary in this moment chose, she chose what was best over what was good. Usually what we try to do out of the message is we try to pull a couple of nuggets out. This week, I'm only going to use one. And that one is simply this. True life is found when we choose great over the good. When we choose the great over the good. And let me tell you this. I'm not talking about, when we look at the life of Jesus, one of the things that you will find with Jesus is that his life was very, it was very full. It was so full of so many things that he had to get done. However, the life of Jesus was never hurried. So I don't think it's possible for you to eliminate everything out of your schedule to completely open up, I don't, to open up your schedule. For, I don't think it's completely possible to do that. And I don't know if it's wise to do that. But what we can do is we, we can begin to figure out what matters, what doesn't matter, and begin to make the changes that are necessary to see growth and development happen in our life. That we can go and we can choose what's priority and what isn't priority. So that, again, we can choose growth and change to happen ultimately in our life. It says this in The Art of Neighboring. I think this is so right on. It says, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time. And time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Hurried people don't have. So with this in mind, what are some things that we can do to really begin to choose great over good? Well, here's the first thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Figure out your priority and organize your life around that which is priority. Second, eliminate time stealers. What are some things in your life that are practice that you absolutely don't have to have? Television, surfing the internet, playing video games. And again, I'm not against those things, but I, I wonder if there's a way that we can maybe scale back how much we do so that way we can have better time to do that which ultimately matters. And what this does is this opens us up for the main, the last one is to live a life that's interruptible. What do I mean by that? Is that we live our lives in such a way to where our neighbors know that, you know, Ken is such a great neighbor. I'm going through this challenge. I'm going to go talk to Ken. I need help. I'm going to go talk to Ken. Right. Imagine that if we were able to do that, where our lives could be interrupted. Just imagine if we were able to do that. I mean, that's huge. That really is huge. And you will find that that's what Jesus did. There are times when Jesus was, there was one time when Jesus was walking through a crowd and he was on his way and he was walking through a city and a guy begins to yell, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Turns out that there's this guy, he's blind. Here's that Jesus is walking by. So he calls out Jesus. Jesus walks over. Jesus heals him. There's another story of Jesus. He's on his way to go 
uh, heal a, a man's daughter who's really sick. And while he's on his way there, there's a woman that touches his garment because she's suffering a physical ailment. She touches his garment and Jesus stops. He stops everything. And he's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, you're in a big crowd. There, there's a ton of people around here. Matter of fact, it says they were thronging. That's how big of a, t- a crowd it was. They were thronging. And they said, Jesus, it's just, it's just the way. But let me tell you, Jesus stopped everything to figure out a moment for him to be able to connect with her and to meet her need. There's another time when Jesus is walking by, he sees a bunch of kids, he stops and gathers the kids around him and just hangs out with the kids. Jesus lived a life where he could be interrupted. And because of priority, he prioritized that which really mattered. And it opened up the door for him to really be able to connect and show his love. So again, it says in the art of neighboring, it is vital to take a step back and ask ourselves if we live at a pace that allows us to be available to those who live around us. How can we open up our lives to make a difference? And if we're too busy to make a difference, maybe it's time to change that. And maybe it's time to begin to prioritize our lives around things that can make an eternal difference. Well, again, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. Thank you for taking this moment to listen to the Encounter Community Church podcast. Again, Encounter Community Church is about three things. Love up, to be madly and passionately in love with God, to love out, to love our neighbors and love those that are around us, and again, to love in, to take care of ourselves. Love up, love out, love in. Let's do our best to be people who love. And one thing, if you could do us a favor, if you, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you can go back and if you can review and if you could rate us, five star would be preferable. (laughs) But if you could rate us, that'd be great because it's a great way for people to find us. And I also want to know this. If you wouldn't give us five stars, tell us why. Because I would love to, again, to improve this to a point where people can get the most out of it as well. Well, again, thank you for taking this time to be a part of this podcast. And we'll talk to you once again next week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you're looking for a way to get more connected to our church, head over to our website at encountercommunity.church. You can see the times of our services as well as the events that are happening at our church. And you can feel free to come out and join us. Also, if you'd like to make a donation to our church, allowing us to continue to make a difference in our community, then you can head over to the page that says online giving and you can follow the link from there. Well, take care. God bless you. And we're looking forward to seeing you once again next week.